Welcome back to It Starts Now, the happy hour of finance and business. My name is Stanley. I'm so excited to have somebody here. He is a writer, actor, slash director of Money and Violence. And their season two was exclusively on Jay-Z's title. He is also a writer for American Gods, which is on the Stars Network. And he has other projects on his plate. Please welcome Moise Verneau, a.k.a. Mo for Money and Violence. You're the first person to absolutely pronounce my name the way it's... Uh, <laughs> well, that's because I'm Haitian, too. I'm part Haitian, too, so it made it oh, easier. Okay. When I heard the name, I was like, wait, that sounds like a French name. And it was, um, it was interesting. And then I, I got some background, and I was like, wow, this, this guy is really cool. Um, I'm so glad to have you here. First of all, I would like to thank you and Faison for making this happen. Once again, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you having me. Faze, uh gave me the call, and he's a, uh, he's a close friend. So. The reason is it's paramount that um, I present this picture because uh, when you guys first started, there was a season where you guys was like really, really popping in the hood. And the storyline and, and the dialogue was good, but then the, the visual wasn't that great. But throughout time, you guys just kept getting better and better and better. And I thought that was the fabric to It Starts Now. And it was important to let people know that when you don't necessarily have to wait until things are perfect for you to get started, you could actually develop uh, your skill sets along the way. And you guys really proved that to be uh, the pillar for everything we represent. And it was, that's why it was important to have you on here. That's something that um, I strongly believe in. It's like, you know what, jump off the roof and figure out how you're going to land on your way down, you know, um, because the perfect time is never going to come, right? No matter what the starting point is, there's going to be something you don't have. There's going to be something that's missing. And what you're going to do is you're going to delay your start because of that. Then you're going to realize even after that delay, something else is going to be missing. And if you're ever waiting for it to be the perfect time, that's never going to come in all honesty. And, and waiting for that is going to actually morph itself into procrastination. I don't think people really really on this grasp that notion of saying that um or don't have that belief in themselves to say you know what let me at least attempt this and if i fail um i'm either gonna fail successfully or i'm still gonna fail as a failure but i'm gonna learn something from it and i'm gonna benefit from that I don't believe the true failure only occurs at death right and mm -hmm. at the end of the day if you keep going then you didn't fail right you don't fail until the last chapter of the book when True. that second cover closes, you understand? So if you learn something, then you're on to your next attempt, then you're still within the story, True. right? And it's not failure because the journey is still going on. You know what I mean? Um, none of our journeys are linear. None of our journeys is one step forward, another step forward, another step forward. There's always gonna be a point where you have to take a step back and maybe take two or three steps forward. Mm -hmm. You know, so what a lot of people see as failure within their journey isn't failure. It's just, you know, it's part of the peaks and valleys um, that, that, that's within your journey on your road to the top of the mountain. Yeah, that is true. As you develop in these uh, storylines, like, so what was the thought process of what made you guys come together to create uh, Money and Violence? Writing is something that has always to some degree been 
a talent to me, not necessarily in the uh, screenplay writing form, but, you know, when I was younger and I was in, well, let's start off with when I was in junior high school Mm -hmm. and my cousins who were in college would basically pay me to write their college term papers, right? And this was when I was in junior high and they would get A's and B's. Um, Then you go to when I was in high school and my friends used to pay me to write love letters to women for them because I was so good at expressing emotions, like through mm-hmm. words. I mean, it, was, it wasn't anything that I had ever thought of. It, hadn't, it wasn't anything that I had ever come to the realization of, but I'm the youngest of um, three boys and my older brother's old. My older brother always used to tell me like, man, you really have a talent for this writing thing. But you know, I was, my mind was elsewhere. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. mind was in the streets. My mind was in doing, running around and being a knucklehead. Um, and then I remember, my mother's retirement party, my brother called me maybe 20 minutes before I left the house. And he's like, Mo, just sit down, write a speech. He was like, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. So I sit down for five minutes. I jot something down. I get there. You know, my brothers read their speech. I go up there, I read my speech. And by the time I look up, it's not a dry eye in the room. You know what I mean? Everybody's crying. And for me, that was like, it was like an aha moment, right? Because mm-hmm. my brother turned to me, he's like, you see what I mean? Like, He's like, this is your talent. Like, you know, you, you have a talent with putting words together, like for some, you know, and that moment, like me looking around and seeing everybody, like everyone was crying. I'm just like, God damn, like, how did I do that? You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, the money and violence thing was, it was just the next thing in a long list of things that I was trying to pretty much get an escape of the track that I was on. Um, I woke up one morning, was looking at the ceiling and was just like, you know, what's, what's the next thing I haven't tried? You know, at that point I had, uh, I had created a clothing line that didn't work out. I was a rapper for quite some time. You never heard of me. So that didn't work out. <laughs> um, I had written two novels and I oh, was really? actually on, yeah. Um, I was actually on the verge of publishing one of my novels when the money and violence thing took off. Right. And I put that on the back burner. You know, I still have plans to um, to publish it sometime in, in the future when the time is right. But the money and violence thing was literally the next thing. It was like, OK, what's the next thing I haven't tried that I want to try? Um, and it was like, all right, you know what? I never did a film. I'm going to try to do a film. But at the same time, I also had so much to say to the world and I never had that platform to speak to the youth or to the younger generation. So I used money and violence kind of as a vehicle to um to to have a voice. Uh, the dialogue was so strong, and you know the first season, a lot of the dialogue came off kind of forced because I had so much that I wanted wanted to put in there. But you know, as I went along and as I uh, grew as a writer, yeah, you guys really the dialogue was always there. It was always there, and I think that um, uh, through time. Uh, to your point, you found a way to uh, balance it off where you were able to, uh, I guess, uh, share it within different scenes and different actors. Um, but the dialogue was always there. I, I think that was what really captivated me with uh, with the show. And I'm pretty sure with other people too. And in time, it, it definitely grew to, to grab their attention. Um, but so... Did you, what, what is it about writing and acting that you enjoy? And, and what are the, some of the things that you didn't enjoy about the whole process? I'm not crazy about acting at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
more than anything. Why? Because I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just not the front page kind of person. I'm not the person for the light. I'm more the play the background kind of dude. Um, why did I choose to act in Money and Violence? I chose to act in it because um, I didn't want to give anyone the power to be able to stop the project, right? So it was me and three close friends of mine. And I told them, I was like, look, none of us had acted before. I was like, I need us to play, play these four main characters because if we're the four main characters and all the other people we bring on, if anybody gets a big head and starts feeling themselves and starts giving us problems, we can get rid of them, but the story will still go on because we are the four main characters, you know? And it's so crazy that I thought about that so early on in the inception of putting this show together because how ironic it is how every band is up. Like, it's nuts, you know? But, um, but yeah, but once again, like a lot of people don't know, like even, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Godfather of Harlem on the Epics channel with Forrest Whitaker. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm one of the writers of that show as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I was offered an acting role on that show. And I, and I was like, eh, I'm not stressing it. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, writing is really my love and acting isn't something that I love to do. With. I mean, it, it's something I like. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. But you also have to understand that when you wear so many different hats and you're on a project and you're writing, you're directing, you're editing, it's True. just one more thing to do. You, mm -hmm. you understand? It's mm -hmm. just um, an extra two hours that I need to wake up to remember lines. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really um, like that dedication. It's really a craft too. And then you got to put in Watch that up. dedication, right? right? Acting is very draining emotionally. If you approach it seriously. You understand acting isn't pretending. Acting is actually embodying and going through those emotions of that role that you're playing. It's, it's becoming that person, you know, it's emotionally draining. And with me juggling so many things, mm -hmm. a lot of times I don't have the time to, to actually give my 110%, you know? I have a new project that um, I'm working on right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Called, called Black. Um, it, the acronym is Betrayal and Loyalty, All for Control of the Kingdom. Um, I'm one of the leads in that. And the only reason I chose to act in this show is because the role that I wrote is so left of who Rafe was. Mm. I just felt that it, it would be a challenge because Rafe, me and Rafe were very similar. So Rafe wasn't really a challenge for me. Right. But this character here, he's underhanded. He's grimy. He's just the worst of the worst, man. Mm. You know, um, but he's also very conflicted, right? Because one thing that I learned as a writer is never write a villain as a villain because no bad guy thinks he's a bad guy. <laughs> That's true. And no bad guy you know, thought off as a bad guy. You know, the only time you write a villain as a villain is if you're writing a cartoon. <laughs> I can all honest, you know, but, um, but yeah, but I'm one of the leads in that, in that, uh, that project. And once again, you know, I chose to do it because it's so left of what I did before. And I think that, uh, for the audience, I think they would enjoy it. It's like, wow, like this definitely isn't rape, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think it, 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 it puts you in a position that brings out, uh, people's ability to see your, your talent as far as acting is concerned because you're playing a role. I mean, it's like when Denzel played uh, Training Day. 
training day. Exactly. It was so right. of everything he had done that it was like, wow. 1,000. Mm -hmm. What comes into mind when you're creating these type of uh, roles of, to these actors? Do you see these actors in your mind visually? Or what, what's the creative process with that? When I create these characters, I definitely see a picture in my head. That's why, uh, that's why a lot, that's why it makes it a little easier for me to cast because I always, I, I already have a visual in my head. Um, a gentleman by the name of Charles Chick Egley, um, he mentored me. He's still mentoring me to this day. That's my guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's been in television writing for like 40 years. Like he's worked on everything you could think of from like Moonlighting, The Saint Elsewhere, The Walking Dead. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. um, and he, like he always taught me, he said, listen, the better you know your characters, once you know everything about your characters, the story begins to write itself, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, if you know someone, then you can predict their next move easily. If you know them inside and out, you, you understand what I mean? But um, he taught me, you know, the list, right? Which is basically a, ca a character description. And everything from, does this character, did he have both parents? How did he grow up? I mean, every possible thing about this character, even though you're not gonna use it in the story, mm -hmm. because no matter what, in your writing, you can feel it in the underlay, how well you know those characters. You're so creative on, on from, from my point of view, you're so creative on, I guess, both sides of the spectrum. And a uh, perfect example is uh, the TI collaboration. And I think that's one of the most recognizable scenes when it comes to uh, the whole money and violence. I think that one stood out the most. And you did a great job acting as well as a great job as um, writing the whole thing. And my thing is, first of all, how did that come together between you and T.I.? That's number one. And the other thing is uh, people had to see or feel the passion in the writing for them to be want to be a part of it. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, well, the T.I. thing came about because my manager at the time, uh, my managers at the time, C. Styles and uh, Teddy Altafois, they have a longstanding relationship with Rock Nation. Um, they're the ones who pretty much put together the whole title thing. Um, T.I. is who actually brought us out at the title concert at the Barclays Center for us to announce um, the premiere of the second season of Money and Violence. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just something as simple as, yo, you know, my manager told me that, you know, they had a conversation with him. He likes the show. And um, they were like, yo, what do you think of him maybe having a cameo? I mean, maybe in the finale, since the finale is like the biggest episode. And I was like, you know what? Look, man, if, if, if we can make it happen, you know, let's make it happen. Um, and he agreed to it, you know, uh, and he flew down to New York and we basically, cause he was in, he was actually in two episodes, but we shot everything uh, in one day. Mm -hmm. But um, he came down, I mean, you know, Real cool guy, man. Showed, showed us all the love in the world. And, uh, you know, appreciate him giving us his time. And, I mean, really, although we were just, you know, the show on YouTube, he came in, I mean, with his A-game, man, as far as the acting, and really gave his all, which I respected a lot, mm -hmm. you know. And, and even with uh, the script that I had wrote, 
you know, um, you know, his little thing, man, which, which, which made it even funnier. Oh, his ad libs. Libs, because the whole don't come to Atlanta thing, like that was him. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, at the time, I mean, you know, like we really had a huge buzz. Right. Uh, but regardless of whatever, regardless of whatever, like, you know, I, I appreciated that, man. I definitely did, because I feel that, you know, it, it helped us to make history even more. You know, because for just a little show on YouTube for an actor like Tia, who's been in blockbuster movies to actually do that. I was like, wow. Yeah, he saw he saw what we saw, which uh, he had a lot of passion and grit. And uh, and it was it was it was raw. It was really raw. What comes to mind or what's some of the challenges that you face starting a project um, or creating a project from start to finish? There are a lot of challenges, man. Um, I think my biggest challenge, my number one challenge is me because I'm always trying to outdo my last project. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even say outdo as far as numbers or as far as viewership, but I'm, I don't like to do the same thing twice. Yeah. Um, for instance, you know, a lot of people don't know after Money and Violence, I had did another project uh, that, I, that I had actually put on YouTube. I did a show called The Spot. Right. And that was something that was kind of personal for me because I wanted to challenge myself as a writer. Mm -hmm. So I did a show that's a drama, but it takes place in one location, like a sitcom. So you think of a show that's an urban drama, like a power or the wire, but it takes place in one location. The entire show took place in my apartment. Wow. Right. Yeah. right. And I, and, and I did it because as a writer, I wanted to challenge myself and see if I could keep a story moving forward without using several different locations just with one location. And I mean, mm -hmm. I pulled it off, like, you know, eight episode, first season, half an hour um, each. And, and, and it was a really good show. It was a really good show. I didn't even know you worked on a project like that. So now question, cause you're working on uh, American Gods, correct? And so what's the difference? Or what are the differences between doing a money violence and then doing a show like that? is a whole different animal yeah um not not only because of genre but also because american gods is based on a book it's it's based on a book by neil gaiman um so when you work on a show like that mm -hmm. you have to be able to not betray the book's audience which means stick to the story but at the same time you have to know when to be able to veer off for entertainment purposes because and don't translate over the exact same, <laughs> That's you so know? True. Yeah, story yeah. structure doesn't, doesn't work the same. It, just because it's great in the book doesn't mean it'll be entertaining as a uh, screenplay. Uh, correct, and, and it's a lot harder because they already well, have their core audience, so it's a lot harder. Well, not to mention as well, you also have the fact that in a book, you can write the most outlandish, the most amazing, visually amazing mm -hmm. things because all it takes is the imagination to conjure up what it is as long as you're descriptive enough um but it's to be produced <laughs> you understand what i'm saying so I, do, I definitely understand because that transitional period of having some someone's writing or creativity and to translate that language into a video screen it's it's hard because every reading a novel or reading any book 
you're gathering your own perception of the book, correct? Definitely. I mean, but that's also why, I mean, books allow you to do so much more. Right. That's, that's, you know, that's the reason why. I mean, nine out of 10 times when you see a movie or you see something based on a book, it's always the book is better. Well, the book is, look, television, you have a limited amount of screen time, right? Mm -hmm. um, hour long series, 10 to 12 episodes at the most a season. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas with a book, you can have a thousand pages. You can go into as much detail as you want. But in television, it's kind of the condensed, compact version. It's, it's, and, you know, and keep in mind that the audience that we have now, their attention span is definitely not the longest. Their attention span is very Limited. short. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so you have to keep things very condensed. You have to be to the point. It can't be drawn out because or else you, you begin to lose their attention. Mm-hmm. But how do you keep their attention, though? That's, that's the challenge. Their attention. I mean, if we're going to go, if we're going to break it down into the, uh, into the, uh, the mechanics of screenwriting, I mean, mm -hmm. the main thing that keeps people's attention in the scene is conflict, right? You have one character who wants something, another character that's trying to keep it from them. And then the entire scene is the back and forth, which is the battle between the two of, of, of who wins that fight. Or you have uh, one character who doesn't want to reveal something and another character who's trying to find it out. Conflict is what lies at the foundation of keeping an audience captivated. If you have a scene between two or three characters with no conflict, then what it becomes is what we call a Murray the Explainer scene, which is just people explaining events, places, mm -hmm. and things, and that's, and that's boring. All right, you have a conflict, but is conflict and, because um, I hear two things. I hear sometimes the conflict is what makes the storyline, but sometimes it's the love scene that makes the storyline too, that really uh, captivate people as well. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, that in itself is drama. Okay. Right. But 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 let's be honest. I mean, how many shows do you know, even if it's a even if it's a, a role, even if it's a romantic comedy, even if it's a love, a love, a movie about love. OK, mm -hmm. how many shows or movies have you seen where there's no conflict, where everything is great that nobody'd want to watch it? There has to be a prop. There has to be an issue or a problem that needs to be overcome. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's where we get to the end, whether that problem is resolved or whether it isn't you know what i mean that's that's usually the conclusion but there has to be some type of conflict there there has to be something that someone's after right and there has to be someone else that's trying to keep it from them and when i say someone else it doesn't necessarily have to be a person it could be the forces of the universe it could be the government it could be i mean and and you can actually break that down to any film you've ever seen right you think um uh indiana jones right he's after a talisman but what's What's, what's, what's keeping it from him is uh, that tomb with all the booby traps and this, or, 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 or you think about a movie about the government where someone's trying to find out top secrets. You think about Enemy of the State, right? Where the government wants that tape of them killing that senator, but Will Smith is the one that's keeping it from them. And then it's the conflict of the government trying to uh, tarnish his reputation and pretty much discredit him in every way possible. There's always a conflict. Yeah. How do you keep your tools sharp, your skill sets? Man, <laughs> honestly, just, just practice makes better, man. Mm -hmm. pra practice makes better. So 
um, I'm constantly writing, right? And, and I write everything. Like, people don't know. I'm actually uh, halfway through a comedy, a film that, um, that I'm writing. Um, I also have another show that I wrote, uh, which is based around four women, and it's about relationships. I just try my best to keep my mind because right now the only thing I've really exposed to the people is the urban drama thing. So I think everybody thinks that that's all that I can write. And, and, and well, I mean, I guess not now because, you know, I, I wrote on a show like American Gods, mm. but um, that's how I keep, you know, my, uh, my mind sharp, my tool sharp is just to pretty much keep writing. Practice makes better. Definitely doesn't make perfect. <laughs> true, true, true. But how do you, I guess, how do you gauge that? Like, how do you know you're, you're getting better? Do you ask for feedback? Do you share that information? Like, how does that process work? Well, there's no way for you yourself to tell. I mean, because think about it. All of our opinions are subjective, you know? And at the end of the day, I mean, one person's beautiful is another person's ugly. One person's great is another person's trash. Mm -hmm. Um. But for me, how I can tell that I'm getting better is just my story flow. Uh, it's just how multi-layered my stories mm -hmm. feel now, right? Mm -hmm. um, Money and Violence, it was a good show, but at the end of the day, I feel that there's so much deeper levels that I could have went with all of these different characters um, to get to know them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, and now, when uh when I write, that it's an opportunity for no for the for the audience to get to know these characters that I'm writing now so much more. I feel like so much more is exposed, more exposition. Mm -hmm. Um also as well, you know, I when I began I wrote I wrote intuitively, right? I just okay. wrote, okay. It was like basically walking into a dark room and feeling my way through. Right. But as I began writing for television, more now I started learning more structure, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, okay, um, set up, development, development, turning point, development, development, climax that leads to conclusion. You know, um, a scene shouldn't be no more than two and a half to three pages. Uh, what I told you about conflict. Mm -hmm. um, now, whereas when I started, I would read a scene and be like, damn, something's missing. And I'd have to read it over and over and over and over and over and over until I pinpointed what it was. Now I kind of have a roadmap. So where I can go, okay, yeah, I got my setup. I got my development, but I'm missing a second turning point. You know what I mean? Or, or uh, I've really, really, really massaged out the character's drive in this scene, which is basically what does the character want? You know, is it easy for the audience to tell what the character wants? And right. does this scene propel you to the next scene, right? Because mm -hmm. you want a scene that, that, that by the end of the scene, you're like, okay, it, 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 it propels you to the next scene. Now we're looking forward to what he's going to do rather than a scene that ends with you just hanging, just hanging, right? And it's like, right. there's nothing, you don't know what to look forward to. Right. It, it's pushing the character in any direction you know uh to summarize it sounds like uh, in the beginning you had a process of elimination and now you have a checklist uh because you uh had a process of improvement you know what you need now versus uh in the beginning yeah i mean 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a process of elimination. I'd just say, once again, it was intuitive, right? Right. Um, my first time going to LA and working with my mentor, we sat in the writer's room seven to eight hours a day, five days a week for three months. And he would go, how do you know this? And I'd go, I don't know. You know, and he's like, that's crazy. He's like, it's so crazy how many things about writing story you know intuitively that I had to go to Yale to learn. That's why when, when people say God gives you a gift, he really gives you a gift. Yeah, but, but what, what I also know, and, and, and Chick, he's the one that told me this. He worked with, uh, damn, I forgot, I, I forgot the gentleman's name, but um, it was one of these, one of these uh, great writers. And he told him that writing is nothing but the astute study of human behavior, mm -hmm. right? And that's what writing story is. And if you know human behavior, you can write, right? If you know how people's brain work, if you know how people process information, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of times, even with money and violence, I would find myself writing a script, we would get on set and I would go, you see this? this is what everybody's going to be putting on Instagram tomorrow. This scene right here, you see this scene right here. This is what everyone's going to love. You see this scene, this scene is going to do this. I would tell, I would tell my actors, yo, after this scene, the people are going to go crazy for you. And mm -hmm. that's exactly, and that's exactly what would happen. How did you, you feel? How, you felt that or just, no, I just knew. I just, I, I know my audience, right? I know my, I know my audience. Like at the end of the day, I know, what we respond to. I know what movies we love. I know what movies we think are classics. You know, for instance, that first scene in the first episode of Money and Violence, when mm -hmm. dude says Shorty got a fat ass and Miss shot, shot at him. I knew, like, that was the scene that was supposed to make everyone want to watch episode two. Like, the rest of it was, this is the scene that's going to matter. And in all honesty, that's the scene from the first episode that went viral. I knew, I because I know what my audience responds to, because the truth is there isn't a story that hasn't been told, right? True. But it's about, can you tell it in a unique way that people haven't heard it told before? That is true. That is true. Because the truth is money and violence is the same story we've heard a million different times, but it was just that I think it was told from a more authentic standpoint. It wasn't mm -hmm. told, it wasn't told from a perspective of bravado or arrogance or, 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 or trying to look tough or gangster. I, I think money and violence was very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think it was, look, these are four mm -hmm. guys growing up in the hood, running around with their doing what they're doing, but this is no glorification of the streets because like I told everybody, you could not find one happy character on Money and Violence. Everybody was miserable. Everybody was going through something. Was going through it. Like, <laughs> yeah. there, there, was, there was no, yeah. yo, I, I got a hundred grand, I'm balling. There was mm. none of that. None of that, there, man. It's, and it's, I, and it's I, that's, reality. It's, it, is, it is the reality. And I think that's what it made it so connect with people. And, and a, lot of, a lot of things, a lot of shows, you could feel the disconnect. But this one just resonated with people because of the fact that everybody was trying to come up. And, and, and I think even more than everybody was trying to come up, I think it was no one was proud of what they were doing. True. Everyone was doing what they were doing because, you know, it there was a to. line that, that, that Ray said to Kane, like, you don't do what you want, you do what you have to. 
you know, because at the end of the day, you think I want to do this? Yeah. No, I don't. But five, I'm a man at the end of the day. I remember when, when we were doing, when I was doing my pitch for Money mm-hmm. and Violence, you know, I was doing my rounds in LA. Uh, I was pitching the HBO, Showtime, Stars, And part of my pitch was money and violence takes place in Brooklyn, you know, three and a half miles from the world's wealth, meaning Manhattan, right? And I said, but the truth is, although they look at us like we're the savages, that's the world where people live by no rules because that's a world where people will do anything to be rich. Over here, we're just trying to be seen by the world as men. That's all we're doing. Providers. Yeah. As men, like, mm-hmm. like we grow up being told that we're nothing. So therefore right. we put our lives on the line and go to these great lengths because we just want to be recognized as men, as something. Right. You know, but it, it gives you a sense of, of purpose too. Of course, of course. But at the end of the day, it's it's just so crazy because you know, you look at us as savages where the truth is three and a half miles away, that's the world where these people will do anything for money. Yeah, corporate life, yeah. You know, it's funny because on the show that I'm, I'm producing now, Black, there's a conversation between, like a, between a Black street guy and, and, and this white gangster, and the white gangster is going, you know, through this whole thing about how he doesn't trust Negroes because they're underhanded and they can't be trusted and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And he says, you know, the nerve of you, you know, the black guy tells him like, you know, the nerve of y'all, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 y'all sit here with all of this opportunity acting like y'all are better than us, but look what y'all do for power. Imagine what y'all do for survival. Yeah. Put yourself in my shoes because because y'all y'all are sitting in luxury and are still being underhanded and all of that. Whereas we have nothing and what we're fighting for is simply to survive. But you got the nerve to knock us when you're doing the exact same thing when you're comfortable. That's powerful right there. That's powerful right there. Yo, yeah. that's powerful. Hey, man, how did you become customer viewer uh, with a service mindset? Like, I'm here to serve the customer slash viewers. Man, um, that's it, it. That see, but that that's a reflection of me as a person. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just as me as a writer. I mean, that's just. That's just how I live my life at the end of the day. Um, and I've been through a lot and I have a lot of experiences and I feel that I have a lot to share. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, I, I thank the Lord for giving me this vehicle because like, how could you squander this? How? Like, like God has given you this opportunity to be able to speak to the world and you're gonna speak to them about nothing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you under, like, how can you possibly real, do that, yeah. right? That is right? so because, real. Yeah, so, so, it's so. like a slap in me, the face. It's a slap in the face, mm-hmm. you understand? Yeah, you know, um, how does social media now, like with IG and everything, how does that help you with uh, marketing yourself? Because I think it's very important and especially having this, uh, us conversing right now, um, you have so much value to share 
Now, how does social media impact your marketing strategies? It impacts them uh, relatively. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. <laughs> um, and the reason being is I think, I think the internet is an amazing resource. Amazing. I think, you know, our ability to pretty much speak to the world with, with something at our fingertips, whether it be our computer or tablet or phone, I think it's amazing. But I think that at the same time, there's an oversaturation of it. And I think that it's not just those that have something important to say that now have that capability, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I watch it happen all the time. If a lie is told enough times, it becomes the truth. truth yeah. So whereas now, because of social media, it's very hard to, 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 to be able to decipher between truth because and Because people fallacy. exploit that, yeah. Yeah, people exploit it, you know, very, very much. But, um, I mean, I use, I use social media to my advantage when it's time. But, I mean, the great thing about me is I'm comfortable in my own skin, mm -hmm. very. And uh, nothing I can possibly see on social media, nothing anyone can say about me will ever, ever, ever penetrate like past the surface. Like I'm mm -hmm. very comfortable in my own skin and you know, I'm not here to make excuses or I'm not here to defend something that never occurred. Like it's just, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey man, I'm so, I'm so grateful that your brother encouraged you uh, to write that speech. Because if uh, that didn't happen, uh, we would have missed out on a few things. So I think that was, uh, we got to shout him out because that's probably the, uh, the, the driving force for you being where you at right now, in my opinion, from what I'm hearing. Shout out to Bruno. Shout out Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Um, anything you'd like to share with people? Um it's uh seven episodes 30 minute episodes one through seven and the eighth is uh 3.99 also as well look out for uh for black betrayal and loyalty all for control of the kingdom um it's a project that i'm working on right now that i think is um i think it's gonna raise the bar and mm -hmm. i think it's gonna i think it's gonna change things once again um i know that what i did with money and violence um opened up a door for every single person to pick up a camera and to shoot their own narratives, which I'm very proud of. It gave people yeah. that courage to go out there and, uh, and try, you know, without any type of education or any type mm -hmm. of background. But at the same time, um, the only thing that, you know, I'm not too fond of is the lack of themselves and, and 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 to once again i mean the same way that i'm always looking to get to the next level the way that i'm always looking to make my projects better is i i don't i don't really see that thirst in people right it's like season four season five of their project will look exactly like season one did and and it's there's no thirst there to improve you know but um there's no pursuit for perfection i wouldn't even say perfection it's just um you should want to master it as much as you can, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I think that comes with having a certain level of pride in your work, True. right? 
Um, and, and I think, I think that arrogance is the creative's enemy because what, 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 what arrogance does is it makes you feel that you don't need to go any further, you know, that you have already arrived when none of us have arrived because art, art is never completed. It's simply abandoned at some point because if we didn't abandon it, we'd be working on it forever. But um, look out for black. Once again, sure. I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, we um, love look this. Out, yeah, look, look out for black. Uh, look out for uh, American Gods season three. Also, look out for Godfather of Harlem season two. Um, and thank you guys for listening, and thank you for having me. Oh, and mm-hmm. follow me on um, follow me on Instagram, Cloud Nine TV underscore. Cloud Nine TV underscore at IG. Please follow him. Um, if somebody wanted, because it's something that just just uh, touched base with me. Um, you said something about. Um, not being educated or not pursuing the knowledge to um, before they get in, get in into this type of industry. Let's say somebody that was curious to become a writer or wanted to be a part of uh, of directing, writing slash actor. Uh, what advice would you give them to gain that knowledge? I mean, aside from practice making better. Um, it's always great to learn hands-on. I would also tell them, look, man, there's a million and one YouTube tutorials that pretty much every and anything on filmmaking, you know, just the simple things, even as far as writing story, you know, um, learning the structure. There are great books out there uh, that you can read. You know, that's the difference between knowledge and, uh, and wisdom. Knowledge you can stumble upon right but mm-hmm. when it comes to wisdom you have to go out there and actually seek it it's not something you can stumble upon right. you know um so go out there man and look for it it's there like it's there in abundance it's it's at your fingertips you know what i mean you just have to go out there and, and find it i mean listen bro uh, i strongly believe that we should use our lives as a vehicle to inspire people to keep breathing life is hard man yeah. life is hard you know I, I heard yeah, I heard someone say um, it shouldn't be this hard to merely exist, right? Oh, shit. That's dope. Yeah, like, and, and it's dope because, I mean, yeah. when you think about it, it's like we're the only animals that pay to live on this planet, right? Yeah. Like, True, everything's itself, accessible except for that. Yeah, like, like it's crazy, but, but every last one of us, man, to keep breathing life into, into others because what people fail to realize like i told my daughter i said the mis the biggest misconception in this world is that you you should have to earn my love right whereas Mm -hmm. i need to know you for a certain amount of time or i need to know you to some degree to love you when when that's bs we all coexist on a planet together like love should be the everlasting constant i should see someone across the street and i should be concerned about their well-being i should care for them like without right. having never met them a day in my life because at right. the end of the day we coexist on this planet together and their existence even if i don't know it affects right. mine in some right. way you know right. but, but yeah, society man. has made it difficult to do that and it's a shame but that's the thing i don't think it's difficult to do that i think that what society has programmed us and brainwashed us right and and we we've we've gone we fell for it but we always have the power at some point to stop look around us and see what's going on and to come to the realization that no this isn't the way it should be 
You understand? Like at the end of the day, no matter how much control society has, the choice mm -hmm. is on every last one of us. We make the choice. Yeah.